From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. We talk endlessly about diet and exercise, but what about sleep? It's one of the pillars of health, and yet we all crave more of it, and we don't really know enough about it. You're starting to see that change with companies like Sleep Number, Casper. You notice that they're talking more about sleep these days than they are mattresses. But Sarah Moe saw the opportunity. She has a degree in polysomnography, which is the study of sleep. And she started her own practice, sleep health specialists, working primarily with corporations. And, well... You're not going to want to sleep through this. Sarah, we're so glad you're here. I'm sure that you get so many puns and jokes and Absolutely, what people yes. ask, always asking if you take naps. Or... Of course. You know, the main one I get is when I tell people my credential, I'm an RPSGT, which stands for Registered Polysomnographic Technologist. People like to sing R-E-S-P-C-T. <laughs> That's Every good. Every time. That's a good yep. theme song. <laughs> So how I, I'm going to be really honest, had never even heard polysomnography. Of course. It is a very uh, a new field. So sleep medicine is pretty young as far as the medical field goes. We're kind of the baby. So okay. it's really been the last 30 or 40 years where things have really kind of blown up for sleep, which is really important because we didn't realize the importance of it until then. How did you get interested in this field? You know, to be honest, I actually grew up wanting to be a nurse, like my grandma. Okay. Uh, but I don't do well with blood. So after a <laughs> Minor week yes, in, in nursing school with a few fainting spells, I realized that that was not going to disappear. Okay. Uh, so I kind of looked into other fields where I could work uh, in a medical field and kind of be helpful to people in that way uh, and kind of stumbled across a sleep program in Minneapolis, which at the time was one of seven accredited sleep programs in the country. Huh. And it happened to be in our backyard. So I took my first class and I was instantly obsessed. What What was it about that? I remember thinking I learned about the four stages of sleep. So as my professor was going into stage two and these are the different brain waves and this and this and that, I was hunched over my notebook, I was writing furiously and I looked around the class and I just remember thinking, why doesn't everybody look as excited as I feel? Like this is amazing. They were asleep? Yeah, well, yes, it was. It seemed just kind of like for most people, some random health class that you could take. I found it absolutely fascinating that this was a part of my life that I knew nothing about. Right. And yeah. yet we do it. We all do it. We do it for a third of our lives. A third of our lives. Actually, that sounds great. I feel uh, like wouldn't I'm that be nice, right? That um, are you a person who, are you a good sleeper? If I want to be, yes. Okay. I have my nights, of course, where, you know, Game of Thrones and wine come into play, but that's, it's all about balance. But it didn't come out of any personal struggle. It was just sort of interesting no, to it you. it was absolutely, a, yes. Just, okay. It was more of a fascination. When you stumbled upon this, you had already, you already had a college degree? I was or? done with, I had started at River Falls in elementary education. And ironically enough, thought teaching wasn't for me. <laughs> but it, I think it was more just kind of the setting of that specific college and um, the the thought of, yeah. of having that kind of mundane, uh, repetitive 
every day. So that's why it was so funny when I learned about sleep, even doing sleep studies and, and working in the lab and diagnosing sleep disorders, no matter what, every night was different. Yes, every night I was doing sleep studies, but every patient was different. Every sleep disorder was different. It was just fascinating. So, okay, so most people, first of all, how long does it take to get a polysomnography? And by the way, I am saying that You correctly. are, and I'm so oh, impressed. I'm so proud. <laughs> Thank you. I've been practicing and practicing. <laughs> um, how long does it take to get that? Is it a degree or a yes. certification? Yep, it's a two-year degree. And um, the first year is, you know, we anatomy and physiology, uh, science of sleep disorders, classifications, all of that. And then for the last few months, we actually do internships in different sleep labs throughout the Twin Cities. So most people who get this degree, that's what they do. They work in sleep clinics Correct. with people who are having trouble yeah. sleeping. Yeah. What is that like? So you're working overnight? Oh yes. So hypocritically, we do. <laughs> completely throws you off of your sleep. I know. We work overnights and usually from 7.30 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. Uh, and the hardest part is when it's the middle of the night and you're so tired and you're watching somebody else sleep. Yeah. That feeling of jealousy. Yeah, it's a it's a tough shift. <laughs> but, but you liked it. I did because I was able to help so many people. And when you see somebody who suffers from fatigue, and people really do suffer to the point where I've had patients in tears the next morning after a little bit of treatment. I mean, when you think about all of the different sleep disorders, the main one, the most common is sleep apnea when you stop breathing at night. So after two hours for what's called a split night study, if a patient comes in and we can get two hours of information and see if they really have, you know, sleep apnea, then we're able to go treat them with a CPAP machine. I've had patients after being on CPAP for a few hours wake up in the morning literally in tears. They had no idea they could feel that way hmm. because they hadn't been breathing at night. And we all adapt to these things because nobody knows that there are 115 classified sleep disorders and 20% wow. of the population has one. Why is it becoming more common? Are we are we doing this to ourselves or, or why do so many people have sleep disorders? So it's a combination of lack of education and understanding what it is that we do throughout our day that impacts our night mm -hmm. and also um, just unhealthy lifestyles that are kind of compacted by our healthcare system, which mm. is aimed towards treatment instead of preventative measures. Sure. So people go in with ailments and issues that could have been prevented if they had the education to prevent them. So what's the worst thing? Caffeine? Is that I mean No, the worst thing is blue light. Oh. The light that is emitted from our electronics is the number one negative influencer on our sleep right now. Really? Yes, and people don't understand how it works. And that's the other funny thing about <laughs> sleep. Because there's no kind of baseline education. We don't learn about it the way we learn about uh, our our diet and our exercise. Yes, yeah. the other two pillars of health. You there's learn, no class in there's school. There's no class in school about our sleep. Huh. And it's so detrimental because it is, it's a vicious cycle where the other two will impact your sleep and your sleep will impact the other two. Um, so blue light is really hard for us right now because it never existed for our grandparents. You know, they didn't have iPhones in their faces all night. They didn't have the computers that they worked on all day, every day. Most people were farmers. The sun came up. That was your natural indicator for time to get up. It's your circadian rhythms are based on light. Mm -hmm. So now that we have blue light emissions, which frequency-wise are a much faster frequency than sunlight. Mm -hmm. So they not only enter your brain and tell your brain it's time to be awake, but it suppresses melatonin production and actually just remains there, causing spontaneous awakenings throughout the night. 
Wow. So it isn't even just don't don't be on your phone in bed or it's, right before you go to sleep. It, You're saying it's detrimental even throughout the day. It is. But unfortunately, we are all exposed to blue light every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, even kids learn on tablets now in school. Sure. So it's just important to know that it does actually have an impact so that when you're in your home environment, remove it at least an hour before bedtime. It's mm. the number one thing that's going to help you consolidate your sleep. I can't wait to tell my husband that it's he's a- <laughs> the worst offender. Well, that's the thing because that's, we, you know, we use our phones for everything. And sure. even with the, the proximity to your retina, it's better to watch TV on the wall when it's far away. But like when it's really right in your face and it's the last thing we do, we set our alarms. Yep. We do a little candy crush to relax <laughs> and then we try to sleep. And it's like, I can't turn my brain off. Yeah. Where in reality, you'd be able to if it wasn't that direct exposure to blue so light. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So you worked in a clinic mm-hmm. for how many years? I've worked, well, technically about 15 now because okay. I worked regularly, uh, which a full-time schedule working overnights is is three nights because they're 13-hour shifts. You still do that? No. Okay. <laughs> nope. But every once in a while, I do do an overnight for uh, a research project or a patient that I, I really want to be a part of. Uh, sure. But I am older now, so it's not. <laughs> it is not the Those same as are harder. Oh gosh. But so, at what point did you decide I'm going to start my own? business and what what gave you the confidence that there was a business to start you know it was actually my ex-husband who I'm still very close with um, his name is Ryan and we were at dinner one night and I didn't realize I did this as much as I did it but our server showed signs of sleep apnea with his um, pronounced jaw structure and <laughs> audible breathing and I remember he kind of walked away and I thought, when he comes back, I'm going to ask him if he's had a sleep study because he has sleep apnea. And before I could even finish my thought, Ryan said, don't, please don't, please do not tell him he has sleep apnea. <laughs> and I was like, I have to. I don't think he knows. And he, and he goes, you can't just keep telling people they have sleep disorders. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> and people get offended. Especially and I when was they're like, serving I you know, a burger. Right? He said, just please don't. <laughs> so we went home that night and he said, if you if that's what you want to do for a living, if you want to tell people about sleep figure out a way to do that okay Mm. maybe start a business and talk to people about like hold classes it's just it's getting to be too much and I thought about it and the next day when I went to work uh, when I was teaching as an adjunct I stood in front of my students at the podium and I thought you know what if this was a classroom filled with people who had sleep issues this would be really impactful Huh. So who, I, were you, who were you teaching? I was teaching f- the future people who were oh. going to do sleep studies. Okay. okay. So they already liked sleep. They already knew Got enough it. about you it. You wanted and to get I the just... word out to the general population. Exactly. So how do you go about that? What What did you do to start your own company? I started with a an appointment at SCORE. And what is SCORE? SCORE is um, just kind of a, it's a volunteer-based small business consulting people who spent their lives in business Mm -hmm. who will give advice to people who have a business idea. Mm -hmm. So I had my first meeting with SCORE and ironically enough, the two men that I met with had sleep apnea. So I said, (laughs) and I told them the whole meeting went basically more geared towards them. But when I left, they said, you have a future in this, even just how much we knew about it 
how you educated us. Yeah, you should you should do this. I'm okay. It's one thing to say I want to start a business, but did you know specifically what you were gonna do? Like, what services would you offer? Who would you offer them to? What no. What was that initial? It you was know, a nugget strange, of an idea. Yeah, it was a process because my goal was to get as many people in a room at a time as I could. Mm-hmm. So how do I? If I put the word out, I started with community education at different like the the Plymouth Parks and Rec and you know how they hold classes and I thought about that and I wasn't kind of getting a lot of input or feedback or even participation which surprised me so um yeah I don't know we just kind of talked it out and said where where are the people suffering the most that was my big goal how can I help the most people and realize the people who suffer the most are people who work nine to five jobs we Mm. have to wake up in the morning, get our kids on the bus, go work all day, fight our circadian rhythms, which make us sleepy from one to three, come home and then feed everyone and then hopefully have time with our partners or, you know, and then mm-hmm. go to bed. So I thought, you know, people, the workforce could really right. benefit from this. But it's one thing to think they could benefit. It's another to get companies to pay you. So I am very lucky in that. I have been in sleep medicine long enough where I'm quite experienced, but young enough to be very proactive. And I think that my model of strict education versus the fact that I am not associated with any a specific sleep lab or company or if, you know, if somebody came in and said, oh, I have all this information on sleep and I also have a solution. Come to my sleep lab. I it's not as as credible. I'm strictly an educator now. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a really interesting thing too to see how Minnesota companies care for their employees. Because when I started making these calls and reaching out and saying, Hey, this is this is what I'm doing, people say, Oh wow, we haven't had that before. Right. So so what were the the steps that you had to take? I mean, you just basically hang out a sign, start a website, say Okay, yes. companies, yes. I'm I'm in business. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I started, I had a website made, um, I had my education, my classes, and th- all the different offerings. And I started with doing a few classes for my friends' companies. Mm-hmm. I said, let me come do this for your teams and practice and, and such. And did, once, you, did you quit your job at this point? No, as nope, I was still okay. an adjunct professor when okay. I started. Yeah, so I, w- I was in business for two years before I stopped teaching at the college hmm. when because I got too busy yeah <laughs> which is great. great that was the goal but mm-hmm. it was also kind of hard to leave my students but I have I have new students now mm-hmm. um, so yeah I just kind of started with friends companies and I remember my f- very first paying gig it felt so unco- I'm so Minnesotan I was like <laughs> oh I have to ask for money now <laughs> but it was funny that I felt so nervous I'll never forget it because I had I've spoken to so many people and it just felt so different that one time mm-hmm. I panicked in the bathroom I thought what did you do you literally started a company to be a public speaker because I always thought of it as teaching and then yeah. I felt like it was public speaking and I just thought get over it you're teaching interesting it so that hard. little you kind of flipped that yeah. switch so how did you figure out what what to charge and and do you now have other services beyond speaking yeah so I I speak a lot. <laughs> I do. Um, it, I don't know. You know, honestly, the ball really got rolling when I got. Oh, you know, it was I won the 35 under 35 for the Minnesota Business Magazine like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And after that, after being a little more kind of visible, people were thinking, oh, wow, I've never heard of such a thing, which is 
I hear that a lot. Wow. Oh, you you work mm-hmm. in sleep? I have to go like, yep, sleep, like make little Z's. <laughs> yes, I work in sleep medicine. That's a real job. <laughs> but after that, it just kind of, um, yeah, it just, it became easier because I was surprised by how much corporations actually do want to help their teams. Of course, they want their teams to perform better uh, and be more productive and, and be happier. But it like until I called them and told them they never considered sleep a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the National Safety Council released what's called the fatigue cost calculator. Mm. So you can plug in the demographics of your corporation. Say you have 100 people, uh, you live in Minnesota, no shift work, blah, blah, blah. it'll calculate the number monetarily, how much money you lose every year from your f- employees being fatigued. Oh, I bet that big gets number. Some. It's not small. Well, hit us with a few statistics. Yeah. What are some of the most startling things that 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 you know about sleep? So financially, uh, the average employee costs their employers about three thousand dollars every year from being fatigued, hmm. and that is based off of uh, three. Uh, three categories, absenteeism, lack of productivity, and healthcare costs. So being fatigued is going to have an impact at some point. Mm-hmm. The majority of corporations, if, a, if an employee is very tired, some of them will have sleep disorders that can be treated. Treating those sleep disorders prevents something else that's going to be catastrophic, like heart attacks or strokes uh, down the line. So then there's that financial kind of removal. But for the majority of people, it really does come down to the the hours after the slump. So our circadian rhythms kind of shift every afternoon. You know how you eat lunch and then you kind of feel really tired? Yeah. It's not necessarily just because of what you just ate. It's actually instinctual and innate in all of us. It goes back to caveman times when predators were their most active at that point. So it was in your best interest to get your butt in a cave and take a nap. Mm -hmm. We all very much kind of dip after lunch. So the majority of companies, due to the stigma associated with sleep, don't have napping rooms or places where you can rest or kind of try to combat that fatigue. So people fight it with things like caffeine or what they call cyber loafing, where they just kind of scroll through things like Facebook or BuzzFeed. And then for the last part of the day, it's really just staying awake until you get to go home. <laughs> and this is true. And this is not a judgment. Yeah, no, but it is what it do, is. It is what it is. It's yeah. a hard day. Well, so what do you advise companies to do? I advise companies to remove the stigma of sleep equals lazy. Mm. I also advise them to educate their teams so that they're able to make better decisions and show up as their best selves. Um, the whole sleep equals lazy thing is just not true. Yeah. It's really, really sad that people think they could be in trouble for feeling fatigued. Of course we're fatigued. We have technology that keeps us up 24-7. We have family. We have very mm-hmm. busy lives. People are tired. Do you feel like Ariana Huffington has helped? I mean, her whole movement around sleep, and I mean, I've heard her give her talk. Oh, not not so much. No, absolutely. I just. Well, I. <laughs> Gosh, I, I hope she never hears this. No, I do. <laughs> she helped bring awareness to the yeah. importance of sleep. But she, as a non-medical professional, uh-huh. occasionally she does say things that are slightly detrimental to our movement. Oh, but I Ardone. do love that okay. she wrote the book because it was eye-opening. Yeah, I, I've seen the she, book. I I've, I've actually talked to her. Yes. I actually interviewed her on a bed. Yeah. <laughs> we had to, right? Of course. Um, but but I mean, I've heard her talk about her own yes, epiphany, absolutely. which really happened after she literally e- collapsed. Exhaustion. 
caused her to collapse. Yeah. And it's really sad that Again, with this stigma, there are so many people who are suffering. And most people think you're supposed to be tired. Of course I'm tired. I'm super busy. You're not. You're right. not supposed to be tired. And that's what resonated to me when I heard her speak about, you know, that that like wearing that badge of honor, like, oh, I only slept for five hours Isn't last night, that as if that's a sign of success instead of like, well, that's too bad. Yeah. it's People consider it a sign of importance. I'm mm-hmm. so important that I had all of these things to do and sacrificed my sleep for it. Yeah. It's not how it's supposed to be. Is it really eight hours? You always hear the eight hours thing. Is, the majority, is that the magic yes, number? Yes, for the vast majority of people. Okay. Yes, there are outliers. Some need six to feel rested. Some need 10 to feel rested. But that's the key word is rested. Mm-hmm. People don't sleep eight hours, but we also don't wake up feeling rested. The average American sleeps 6.5 hours per night and the average American is exhausted. Yeah. Do you feel like um, companies are changing? Are they, I mean, do you see signs? Do you have examples yes. whether or not you can name the companies? Absolutely. Of, I mean, are there more nap rooms? Yes. So I actually, America today? Yeah, yes. Uh, my last, so uh, March is Sleep Awareness Week. Uh, and last March, I ended up teaching I think, you know, I I hope to teach classes every day. That week I had like 20 classes. So that Mm -hmm. aside made me think, all right, good. People are starting to understand. But also one of the classes that I taught was at the Fifth Street Towers downtown. And they have a lot of different companies in their tower, but they did napping pods in their community room. So they said, hey, we just put in these napping pods a few months ago and nobody's using them. Come talk to us about sleep and napping and all this stuff. So I did my class. And then a few weeks later, I got uh, an email saying they're being utilized. All of the companies are emailing us as tenants saying this was really great. Uh, the attitudes in our office are so much different. Everybody, like, it's just a really great thing. So I do like to remove that stigma. Every class that I do teach, I say, you know, you should speak to your uh, your higher-ups about a not even necessarily a napping pod, but a quiet space, a, a mother's room or a, a wellness room or just a place that people can go to rest and relax and not feel like they would be in trouble for doing it. What's long enough to, to nap? So the to National Sleep Foundation recommends a 20 minute nap. And that is because when you go into REM sleep, REM is the stage where we dream. It stands for rapid eye movements, but we are also paralyzed in that stage of sleep. Your muscles are paralyzed so you don't act out your dreams. So once you go into that stage of sleep, it kind of feels if you woke up out of REM, like you couldn't move. So if you ever wake up and you're like, oh, I'm more tired than I was before I went to sleep, you were probably in REM. So that Mm. hormone was still uh, kind of present to make you feel groggy and fatigued. Uh, It's not the case. If you did go into REM, that's great. You probably worked off some sleep deprivation, but it does kind of feel very groggy and difficult to move. Uh, So in order to prevent you from going into REM, usually 20 minutes is enough to just fall asleep. And we cycle from stage one down into two and then down into delta sleep, which is the stage that makes us feel rested. Mm. So once you get into delta and you get a little bit of restful sleep and then you wake up after 20 minutes, people feel very refreshed and good without having had that muscle paralyzation. Are you a napper? I love to nap. Do you have time to nap? I have time to nap because I make time to nap. And I only make time to nap because sometimes I do like to stay up and, and watch Netflix, which is fine. But uh, it is kind of just important to know that you really should pay attention to 
getting your eight hours in a 24-hour period because sleep deprivation leads to illness. Right. Um, it does seem like we are, in, you know, we're at a, a point just culturally where there is a focus on wellness Absolutely. and people are mm-hmm. thinking about these things. Do you see more opportunities? I mean, you have sort of this strange mix of you're, you're a medical expert, but you're also running a business. Yes. So where do you see the opportunity? I think that it's really, I don't know, it's so, everything is so individualized and I see that in sleep as well. So when people ask questions as far as, well, I do this, is that okay? Yes, absolutely. Well, I use this pillow and my husband uses, great. It's different for every individual. Um, But I think that there's a lot of opportunity as far as wellness goes in general because there are now really great places to work. That's all there is to it. There's no more, you show up at your nine to five and you just wait to go home. There are companies and corporations who provide spaces that people are excited to go to. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of opportunity where those corporations are the ones who are saying, let me bring in sleep health specialists. Let me bring in this yoga instructor and this nutritionist and take care of my team because then people will want to stay and do their best work. Mm -hmm. Um, Best business advice that you've received on your journey? Oh, man. I've gotten a lot. I have a lot of really great mentors. I've got a lot of really great... Uh, just people who want to see me succeed. I don't know if that's because I trade them sleep tips or or what, but I think that I, you know, I think the thing I've heard the most is that I should just continue being myself. It was hard for me at first to hear every time I hear, oh, you're so passionate. I'd think, oh gosh, take it down a notch, Sarah. Mm -hmm. I'm getting too crazy about my sleep talk and this and this and that. But I think that's why it's effective because I've seen it. I've literally seen lives change overnight. Oh gosh, I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> because it is, uh, it's a it's a crippling thing to live your life through fatigue. Yeah. It's the most effective form of torture for a reason. Hmm. Uh, so I, th- I would say, yeah, I guess that's the best thing that I've ever heard is just keep being yourself because when I am, people listen yeah. and then people take the steps to start to feel better. Well, I'm not surprised. Um, we, so many products out there today, whether it's, you know, all the different mattress mm-hmm. options or, you know, kind of the different sound machines and stuff. Does yes. any of it work? Should yes. we be investing? Absolutely. And I love that you said investing because you do have to invest because this stuff is expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Everything that's on the market these days. Uh, there's actually a mattress showroom in Edina. Have you heard of the Sleep Sherpa? No, it's so the Caspers and the Verlos and the, all of the online stuff that you see, all of the different pillows, they have all of it. So you can go try it out before you buy something online, huh. which is amazing. Um, and sound machines. Yes, I would pick a sound machine over a TV or anything you're going to play on your phone any day. Uh, the sleep number beds, as you mentioned, they can get up to twenty thousand dollars. But you know what? Hey, if that's what's going to work, if if that's what's going to keep you and your bed partner comfortable and able uh, to sleep well, invest in it. Absolutely. And we just learned so much again in the last few years where physiologically the different things that these uh, different products have are really helpful. Yeah. You think we'll get to a point where every company has nap rooms where that's standard, just like having a, a mother's room? Yep. Google started it. Nike followed. It's in the. It's coming. It's, it's coming, happening. guys. It is. Wow. So then there's a whole other industry of making the cool pods exactly. or making different. Yeah. yeah. No, it's coming. And it, the, again, ironically enough, where people are now saying, I'm going to stay with companies because of how they treat me instead of how I uh, perform. It's just it's coming. People will go, oh, you have napping pods and and nightly happy hours. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Why wouldn't I want to try to work there? Yeah. Maybe you need to get a product line going, too. You know, I feel like that might remove from 
the fact that I know what I'm talking about. Interesting. I, I feel like I just want to keep educating. You're selling your expertise. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting good it. Good for you. <laughs> Sleep health specialists. Sarah, it's been fascinating to talk to you. I'm feeling a little tired. Don't be offended. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I actually, when I was teaching, I always got such high ratings from my students. And my dean asked me one year, how how come you're the most popular professor? And I didn't ever even tell her it's because I let my students nap. They do too. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Sarah Mo, thank you for being here. Stick around. We're going back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. That's next. Well, it's so interesting how Sarah took her interest in sleep and turned it into a business of her own. For some perspective on doing just that, let's go back to the classroom. Mike Porter is the faculty director of the Healthcare Innovation Program here at the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Mike, what stood out to you about Sarah's story? Well, you know, one of the challenges that I think people who have a real, and she has a very strong passion for this sleep thing. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, between a passion and not, and being of a profitable entrepreneur is a lot of are a lot of challenges around separating themselves and making good business decisions mm-hmm. you know and one of the first things that that she did was she she said well i know that i don't want to be attached to a sleep study center or those kinds of things because she wants the education thing to happen right mm-hmm. that's a choice it's not a good choice or a bad choice it's her choice right and that allowed her to funnel that passion into a place where she could feel um, she was doing good, be that keep that altruistic piece, but still, you know, have permission to make some money on on the process. Right. What do you think is the best way, like you said, when you're kind of passion driven and you have a real mission, you have to take a step back and kind of gut check: is this going? Is this the smartest way to go about this as a business? Well, and and I think that in in her case, she had an advisor that um, said, well, you know, you should turn this into a business and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the other thing that you do at that point is is find some friends or family or people that you've come across over the years that have some good back business acumen, or go to. She mentioned Score, which is the service core of retired executives. Mm. You've got the Small Business Development Center here at the University of St. Thomas, for instance. You, she, she or someone who's trying to start a business can go to those places and say, hey, I've got this idea. Right. And they've got really deeply um, vetted business people who can give some perspective on translating that passion. The challenge is, for a lot of entrepreneurs, is mitigating that passion, bringing it down just a notch so that you can see clearly, oh, and listen to say, oh, this is the way that I need to do this. I need to trim the edges of what I'm doing here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious. That's great advice for, for any business. I'm curious in particular, since the subject today is sleep and we're all still awake while talking about it, sure. do you see there being a lot? It seems like a lot of businesses around sleep are kind of bubbling up right now. Is it well, a good business to be in? Well, I don't know. I, any business is only as good as the, what, what the need is in the marketplace. And one of the things that she did was she went out and said, well, where is the need for this transfer of information, mm-hmm. right? Who really needs this information? Of course, the, the employees need the information, but you can't get to the employees in a, an effective way until you say, well, my real market, my channel for this is to go to the companies, 
and and market my way into the companies in those areas and you know be a this advisor right? right that translates her passion to the individuals that she wants to reach companies care about this because of the reasons that she mentioned um, you know if, if you're getting better sleep you're more productive you're happier in your job you, the the nap spaces even if you don't use the nap spaces you know they're there right mm-hmm. and there's a permission and an attitude at the organization that the organization can say um, hey, we did this for you. Even if I don't choose to use it, I say, oh, you maybe do care about me as an employee, ah. you know, at that level, right? So there, there are all of the other layers. It's not just whether people are getting their sleep. It's what are you saying about the people who don't take a nap just because, the, or to the people who don't take a nap. Right, when you right. That way, so. Great perspective. Mike Porter, thank you for being here. Thank you also to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't already, please subscribe to By All Means wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, give us a good rating or review. It really helps the show. I'm Allison Kaplan. On behalf of Twin Cities Business, thanks for listening to By All Means. Teamwork to make by all means, and we've got some all stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Ferlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas Senior Media Relations Manager, Vanita Sakar, and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, Laura Dunham, for all their help. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Hope you enjoyed by all means. <laughs> <laughs>